you're looking for the spot to kick back, relax, and talk all things Southern Miss, well, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles podcast, the podcast for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast. We are so excited about our guest tonight, but I got to introduce my co-pilot for the night. Um, we, we gave Lane the night off, I think, but uh, Pate is stepping in and filling in the gap. What's yeah. up, Pate? What's up, Chuck? I'm doing all right. You doing all right? I'm doing well. So Pate gets to come out from behind the, the computer screen and talk a little bit with us tonight. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, we're actually recording on... Uh, Fourth of July. So right. if you hear any uh, popping in the background, there might be some fireworks going off. So just right. just a little warning there. We're not getting shot at. No, so we're not. Uh, yeah, we're definitely not <laughs> getting shot at by any means. So, well, Pate, since this is uh, really kind of you know maybe your second or third time on, I'm going to give you the honor of introducing our guest tonight, man. Awesome. Well, we have quite a Southern Miss legend with us tonight. We have a phenomenal. Uh, baseball coach by the name of Hill Denson. Um, might know him by the uh, Hill Denson Field name uh, at P. Taylor Park. Can't mm-hmm. miss it. So, uh, Coach Denson, welcome to the show. How you doing? Thank you, Pete. Enjoy it. Me and with you guys. Finally, we had a little trouble last night trying we, to get this thing off. So, we did. We ran into uh, some technical difficulties. We, we sure. sure did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we may hear something besides fireworks. I'm, we have a little thunderstorm up here in Jackson, so okay. Mm. But uh, it seems to have quieted down a little bit. So. Well, that's all right. We we need to rain. Let it rain. That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach, um, you know, we like to ask uh, our guests these, you know, these first couple of questions, just kind of get a, a background. How did you end up at Southern Miss? Well, I, I actually played there. Uh, played there in, in, in 65 and 66. I, I had played basketball in junior college at Jones, and uh, but I played semi-pro baseball all during that time. From the time I was in high school, I was playing semi-pro baseball. Back in those days, semi-pro baseball was pretty big in Mississippi. And um, we were played on some good, good ball clubs. And uh, I had actually, uh, after I finished basketball we didn't have we didn't have baseball at jones and back then they didn't have you didn't even have the sport uh, only a couple of junior colleges had it. i think north northwest had it and maybe perk uh but anyhow we didn't have it at jones but uh, uh somehow the other coach coach ferris i got to know coach ferris a little bit coach blue ferris is delta state and uh, Along there, when I maybe was a freshman or sophomore, he decided he he asked me to come to Delta State, and I was thinking about going there. And he he got me a glove. I remember he got me a good glove, and I'm not sure that was legal back then, (laughs) but he did get me a good glove. That's about all I had. And um, you know, I was kind of planning to go there, and after school was out that year. I, I was thinking I was going to Delta State, and I got a call from Pete Taylor, and uh, 
He said he didn't have scholarships back then, but he said, I can get you a proctorship. And I said, what in the world is a proctorship? <laughs> and he said, well, you just hang around the dorm and kind of make sure everything's good on the floor. And so I said, and he said, that pays you tuition. And, uh, well, that sounded pretty good to me. That's about half a scholarship mm-hmm. would like to be. So. All right. So uh, and and Coach Ferris and them had just given me my glove. That was that was the only thing I was going to get at Delta State. I think at the time, I, the way I remember it. And anyhow, so I decided to go to to uh, Southern Miss, and and uh, of course I had lived in Bassville when I was a kid before then, and then moved to Bay Springs. So I wasn't too far out of Hattiesburg, and went to a lot of Southern Miss games. My mother was a student there as, as she was teaching back in those days. While she was teaching, she was going to Southern. And of course, at the time, it was Mississippi Southern. And uh, I remember going over there with, as a kid, some with her to classes and walking around campus and stuff like that. So anyhow, I liked Southern Miss. Went to a lot of games. So when he said that, that suited me fine. So that's where I ended up going. Mm-hmm. I got you. Cool. We're glad you did. Then, then later on, uh, you know, I was after I went into coaching there, uh, out of out of USM, I went into coaching and started Chamberlain Hunt Military Academy. Okay, they hired me to teach chemistry and be an assistant football and head basketball coach. I was basketball coach. They didn't have baseball, but he said you can start a baseball team if you want to. And, Ended up going to Chamberlain Hunt, stayed there three years, and uh, uh, we started a baseball team, and then ended up going into Jackson. I met Judy, and we got married, uh, and I uh, had a job one year at Council Manhattan School, and then I went to Callaway High School as head coach, and I stayed there 10 years. So, you know, that was the time that I was doing it, and so... You know, from then on, I got out and went to, uh, we moved to Nashville because of Judy's job. We moved up there and was had a good thing going. I worked with the Nashville Sounds up there and in the, in the front office. I wasn't working on the field as a baseball coach. I did uh, volunteer with Vanderbilt that fall while I was looking for a job. We moved up because of her job. And, and uh, you know, that quickly happened there. And then a year or so later, I got the call and, Ended up going to USM in, in January of 84 in the middle of the year. Pete had retired. And uh, so that's that's kind of a quick synopsis of the way I got to USM. I got there in January of 84. They had just built the new field, the, what is now Pete Taylor Park. Uh, they had just built the field that summer. The National Guard did most of the work, I think. I wasn't around when it happened, but they hadn't played a game on it. They had had a fall practice, a shorter being run by the graduate assistants. Pete was assistant AD and then didn't get to come out in the fall, but they had a little practice out there. He practiced came and kind of eat the deal up. All the grass was gone. It was just a dirt patch, really. <laughs> but, you know, we, uh, we, we took over about three weeks before, before we played our first game. Took a long time to get over that thirteen thirty six and two record, so uh, right. took a long time to catch right. up to that to get to five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> right, I got gotcha. you. Well, 
That's awesome. Well, Coach, we also ask another question to all of our guests. Um, this is more of a, what is your favorite Southern Miss moment? It can be either uh, something you experienced on campus, uh, a specific game, or any specific moments stick out to you, kind of your favorite moments at Southern Miss? Well, not really. I mean, I've had so many there. I don't know any of my favorites. Uh, probably during the coaching times of the year, uh, I had a lot of my ones when I was just a student there. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, as a coach, probably uh, my favorite time was we were, we had a, uh, we were in the league back then with the Metro Conference. Most of my years there, we were the old Metro Conference. And a lot of our people don't even know who the Metro Conference is, but that was us in Florida State, South Carolina, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Cincinnati, Memphis, and Tulane. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was a heck of, heck of a conference mm-hmm. really then, but we were spread out and, uh, but uh, we had Florida State in about oh, probably my third or fourth year there. Florida State came in for a weekend series and had uh, – I think they were ranked number one in the nation when they came in there. And, and we ended up sweeping them that weekend. So that was probably one of the biggest moments we had there. We won the conference a couple of times. Uh, or won our share of the conference regular season a couple of times. So, so it, it was a – really tough baseball league and uh you know so that was probably one of that yeah it was just a lot of different things though i would say i don't Mm -hmm. know how to say which is my favorite thing i got you i got you and uh same can be said for sunbelt conference quite a tough baseball conference for sure absolutely Mm mm-hmm and so was conference usa so yeah yeah, there is you know really all of Back in Rice's glory days. Two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let me let me ask you this, your your opinion. Do you think uh, you know, there's been some rumors, talks, you know, just speculation of forming what they call like a super conference, like, you know, Big East and Big Ten merging, you know, or or Sunbelt and Conference USA merging or Sunbelt and uh, Mountain West or somebody merging, making a huge conference. Um, because, you know, you find it harder and harder to compete with the money. Now, the talent is there, but the money of most of these SEC schools, do you think that that would ever – do you think that would be beneficial, or do you, do you like a smaller conference? Well, uh, this, it would probably be beneficial because since everything is based on TV markets and, and that's, uh, you know, getting better TV markets, the more spread out you are, you get better TV markets, and that's what – most of the conferences seem to be doing nowadays. And, uh, you know, it, it, it would probably be beneficial to do it with some of them. I'm not sure with Conference USA, but uh, us and maybe the American Conference mm-hmm. go together would, would be a good one. And that would still say, keep it in kind of our same footprint and it'd bring us back with our old qualities that we had with, you know, with Memphis and East Carolina and, and, and those guys. Absolutely. Get back in the league, get in the league with us and form a new league. That would be pretty good. And anyway, and again, it would all be in the Southeast where you can get there in buses a lot of times, especially in your, if you're playing in your half of the conference, you know. So that, that would, I would see that would be good. And I think it would be mighty good for the TV people too. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
Well, Peter, are you ready to dive into listener questions? Yeah, let's go ahead and dive into these. All right, Coach, I'm going to go first. Um, these first two questions come from Jackson Kennedy. The first question is, ask him about the story of getting thrown out of games in the peat on purpose. You didn't do that, did you? Well, maybe a time or two. <laughs> maybe a time or two. <laughs> I, I got thrown out in Memphis one time. I, it was it was bad weather. We were getting our tails kicked, and, and I got I called on by most everything I could think of, and, and he said, "Hell, if I got to stay out here in this cold weather, you gonna stay here too." But <laughs> I don't care what you say. I'd go past him every few. Every time I'd go to third base, I'd go right past him, and I'd have a few choice words for him. <laughs> and he just laughed. <laughs> Let me stay out there the whole game, all time. So, but yeah, there's some of that stuff does go on. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I got you. Well, his his second question is, uh, <clears throat> what about Southern Miss do you think makes it so special to the point where people like you? and other former coaches stick around and spend time here for so long uh, after you retire and then leave the school. So why do you think, you know, in the last, what, 60 years we've had four head coaches? Why do you think that is? Well, the, the four head coaches have, are, well, first of all, me, me and Corky were all Southern Miss guys. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Scott, we got Scott. We were all close with Scott all these years, even though we brought him in here from Missouri to work at Meridian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he became accustomed to this way of Southern Miss way. And, and it is, uh, you know, I was down last week when, when, uh, when Oz took the job, I mean, mm-hmm. when he announced the meeting last week and he talked about our culture that we have, it is no question that there's a different, For sure. Mm. No doubt. Well, I'm going to ask the next question here. This one comes in from Mr. Tim Shanks. And if you don't know Tim, uh, you've definitely heard him over at the Pete. He is probably one of the most rowdy guys out there in the stands. Um, Chuck and I can definitely attest to this. But he wrote in and he wrote in and asked, um, how is the Internet and social media and recruiting services like affected overall baseball team recruiting? Well, in, in one sense, it's made it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, the, you know the, the development of the sport is, has developed over the time. About the time I went to USM is when people started hiring baseball coaches to coach baseball instead of the football coach who was an assistant that they gave him, which, you know, a little extra pay to roll out the balls and play baseball. Right. And uh, so 
started hiring baseball coaches and everybody started trying to win and things, uh, you know, started developing and, and, you know, it's just got, it's, it's just built itself up over the years, but, uh, the social media and all that, I don't know that it's helped anything. It's, it would be awfully tough, uh, Every time you play, that it's real so easy. I want to say to these guys, "What a nut you are!" When I read some <laughs> of the stuff they are, and, right? Uh, so right. you know, I would have bun, I would have bun it here. Well, you don't know whether a guy can bun or not. You don't <laughs> see him every day, and, right. and you know, you it's just all the silly stuff that they say. And of course, it's always the coach's fault, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh. You know, it's my fault that he hit that line drive and the guy was out there against the wall and made a catch on it that cost us a ball game, you know. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's, it has to be the coach's fault, you know, whatever. For some, some stupid stuff. So, mm-hmm. or, or the players, they down the players too. So, I, you know, these guys are busting their tail for us trying to win a ball game. And in baseball, you're not going to win every ball no, game. No. You just well forget that. You can't win them because – some days you hit the ball twice as hard as they hit it all day long, but you hit it right at them, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they they hit them on the fist, and they go right over the third baseman's head and spin off out there for a double, and you know it wins a ball game for them, you know. So always that always happens in games. So you know you just can't win them all, and but you just do the best you can to prepare and, and play the game. And, and you know I thought they the last few years, see, I, I the last twenty years or nineteen years I was at Bell Haven, which is a private school. After I retired, I could work there, and and ended up working there a while. And uh, and I wasn't getting to come to the USM game. Now I'm getting to go to most all the games. So I get down there an awful lot now and get to see. But the, the job that, that Scott has done over the last few years is just tremendous. The way he's built a ball club that plays with the confidence that they play with. And, and you know, uh, they, they tough. they just tough guys. And, and that's kind of part of the culture that we have, the blue-collar kind of guy. And, and uh, there, I, I heard Oz speak the other day. And, and by the way, he's going to be a great one for us. Mm, he but, uh, is, no doubt. He, he is. Uh, he is. He is absolutely right. It's not. We don't just sign a guy just because he's a good baseball player. Because there's good baseball players all around. But he, he fits into the mold that, that they have created the last few years. And, Mm-hmm. You know they they got to they got to fit that mold, or they're not going to sign what it amounts. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of this, this is actually was sent in from someone on Twitter named Common Sense Eagle. This was more of a uh, comment to you than just a question. Uh, Common Sense Eagle wrote in and said, Hill's vision made Southern Miss baseball what it is today. A real life build it and they will come story. So no question, but just a huge thank you and proud and very proud to be along for the ride. I think the vision that, you know, you, uh, Coach Pete, Corky, Scott, I mean, really y'all have paved the way for this baseball program for years to come. And I'm very glad to see that Coach Oz is going to continue that tradition. And I think everyone uh, can definitely agree agree with that. 
For sure. Well, I certainly appreciate them saying that. Uh, you know, that's one of those buzzwords, that vision thing. I, everybody keeps saying I had a vision, and I don't, I didn't know I was having a vision <laughs> during all that. <laughs> but we just trying to, trying to win a, uh, you know, build a winning ball club and, and, uh, and you know, doing those kind of things that thought would help us win. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, that was certainly. Uh, a nice statement. I appreciate that, and, and I know Corky would, and, and so sure Scott, mm-hmm. and, and, and now us will uh, take that on. But it, it's you know we're going to see that. Uh, hopefully, we're not going to see much downtrend. We lose a lot of players this time, but we lose them every year. So right, you know, right. that's just part of part of baseball. We still still get partial scholarships. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. For sure. Hard work. It's hard to build a 35-man ball club with 11.7 scholarships. And that's sure. still what they get. Yep, no now, doubt. No doubt. Come in and now I've been able to start paying people with all these guys that have all the money that they can't get rid of. They're just trying to throw money away now in, in what's called the Power Five. They're making so much money, they just have to spend, spend it. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, they've come up right. with a way now we just pay our players, but uh, and some of them are doing it in baseball. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it's uh, you know, the baseball players, when you drive, I, I still run tournaments for the uh, NCAA. I've done it 20 years in a row. This was my first year in 20 years not to do it. And my wife had a hip place there a week or two before the regional started. So I, I wasn't able to go. So I pulled my name out. So this was the first time I had done it. I said 20, really, about 30 years. And, of course, they won't let me run to one at Southern Fest, original there or Super, so I'm, I'm always gone somewhere else trying to watch games. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a, it's it's a, it's just something that we all are enjoying, and, and I hope we keep on enjoying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, no doubt. No doubt. Well, got a couple more questions here. This one's actually was sent in from uh, Mr. Marty Windham. Marty Windham. All right. Yep. So Marty. we've yeah we've actually got you might know Marty, huh? Yeah, might know him. Absolutely, the, Marty and Mark, the pride of Bay Springs, right? Yeah. Bay Springs. <laughs> That's <boys>. right. <laughs> from the Windham. They were working when I was there. They were working on campus there. Mm, both of them. Good right. guys. We've actually got a couple of questions. First one is, are you afraid of flying? Rumored has it that's why you always took the bus on every trip, or was it more just economics? Loved the three years working with you, Coach. It was hard to get whether we could go on a bus. We would rode in vans for the first three years. Pre-plans pulling the U-Haul with a bats and balls in it. So getting on a bus was like top of the line at that time. Right. And, uh, cause I, and I don't like to fly on trips because you, you just you spend as much time you get, don't get back much earlier in the after a Sunday afternoon game in North Carolina. You can get back about as quick as you get on the bus and take off as you can sit around the airport. You still got to get on a bus when you get there, get to the airport. Get, get say you're going to Greenville, South North Carolina. Say you fly in there, you got to get on a bus and drive 30 miles over to the field and 
then you got to get on the bus to go back to the airport and then you got to be there two hours ahead and you can you can imagine checking in all 20 all that baggage and stuff but by that time you're in atlanta for sure on your bus and and you get on in you might get in at four o'clock instead of two o'clock or something but uh you know it's not much difference usually and in the old metro conference we were we were proud to ride on the bus i'm telling you Mm. so or at least i was as the guys might have complained a little bit i never did notice any of them that didn't have good time on the bus really right right i figure it'd be a lot more fun on the bus Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh we got a second question here uh from the Wyndham's. When you first started charging admission for about a dollar, were you worried it would hurt attendance for baseball games? No. There wasn't any attendance. So uh <laughs> when we first first yeah, there were you know, there might be six, eight, ten people stop by, whatever. But uh you know, uh, uh, I've told this story a bunch of times already, and people are probably tired of hearing it. But uh, I learned in Nashville when I worked for the Nashville Sounds up there, which was a double A club for the Yankees at the time, but I was working in the office selling tickets and all that kind of stuff. But I learned then that you have people come to things when they pay. And so I wanted us to have to charge people and when we first that first year we didn't even have a fence out there to keep you from make you go through a gate you just walked up so and there were a lot of trees between the field and fourth street at the time what is now a parking lot all that was pine trees and little houses there and uh so it was just a little road going in but you could just walk up to the field and see just like you could over on campus when we when i played you know you people walk up but if you go to something free you think about things you go you have free admission anytime you want to go you'll get in there the fifth inning or whatever stay a sixth or seventh maybe eat a hot dog and talk to somebody and leave whatever you don't care or football games or students all get in free and and they all go and then they by halftime they leave and go to their parties or whatever and and not it's, it's not a big deal so but if you pay a little bit of something, it may just be a dollar that you're paying to go to the game, each game. Right. But, uh, you get a ticket and you go in. For some reason, that makes you want to become part of it and stay, you know, when you pay for something. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a, it's just a psychological thing, but that's the way it works. You got a little skin in the game then, huh? That's right. You think about the things you go to that you can, can go to free. Doesn't you, know, you can get there late or whatever? It doesn't matter. But right, you know, when you're paying for it, you want to see all of it or whatever. So. Right, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. All right, this next question comes from Mr. Dima Mixon, um, and you know, you kind of touched on this earlier, but um, ask him about his thoughts on how similar the transfer was from him to Corky versus Corky to Barry versus Barry to Oz. Did you see any similarities? Was it a smooth transition? Uh, was it a little different? Well, uh, yeah, I think it was smooth on all of them because all of them had worked. Uh, see, Corky was my assistant twice. Most people don't even know that. But uh, my first year there, I, I told you I got in in January, so it wasn't much of a year there, too. And we just played a season. And then 
I started recruiting during that season myself. I was mm-hmm. really basically by myself and had a graduate assistant and one partial graduate assistant that worked a little bit. And, and you know, so it was important. But anyhow, I, I met Corky during that time. I knew his name, but I didn't really know him. He was coaching at Columbia, and we had a, he had a good player over there. Uh, Sanders kid, David Sanders, and uh, he was a really good baseball player. And, and in fact, we ended up signing him. And Corky and I got to be buddies during that time. And uh, he he wanted to go. Anyhow, long story short, he came and, and went to work for me the next year as an assistant. Now I really couldn't pay Corky anything because we didn't have an assistant job. Uh, mm-hmm. But. Uh, one of our good good supporters uh, gave him a place to live, and once he had some apartment buildings, he let him live there. And, and Corky's wife, Debbie, was a uh, nurse, and so she could she had a good job there that she could go to and make they could make ends meet. And so Corky was my assistant for three years, and I got a call one day from the president at Meridian. And he was wanting to know he was his baseball coach had re- retired or resigned or something, and he was wanting a good baseball coach. And we talked about Corky, and he ended up going to Meridian, and then brought Corky back the year before I retired. I brought him back as a pitching coach when Doug Lambert, who had been with me for about ten years, had uh, got out of the coaching business and needed a pitching coach, so I brought Corky back and, and you know, he was with me twice and of course we in other words he was in the system already that we were doing and all that and uh so it it was very easy to go into with him being the coach just taking over and continuing to do what we were doing and trying to make it better and keep on trying to build and all that sort of stuff. And the same thing happened with Scott with Corky. And then now us with Scott, you know, so, right. you know, they dare, it's not, you're not going out and getting somebody to bring you in. And these people that fire coaches all the time, football, basketball, baseball, whatever, every time you fire a coach and they leave you, it's a whole new thing coming in. Everything's different. Uh, you don't right. ever get any continuity built up. And, and that's what's why this thing has been built on, uh, our culture and our continuity that has been going on and you know, it's just been growing and growing and growing and keeps on growing. So, and I hope it'll keep on growing. So, you know, that's, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. All the people are wanting to fire coaches all the time. You know, somebody, we lose a ball game. They want to fire the coach, you know, fire the coach. Okay. Right. We'll get another one, bring him in from, uh, Australia or, uh-huh. or Oregon or something, bring them in here and hire a new coach because he's had success up there. Well, that doesn't work. And then if you're going to fire a coach because we lose a ball game, then, you know, you, you're going to be firing them all the time and you never will build up any continuity. So, right. I don't know uh, if you, uh, do you ever get on Eagle Post, coach? On Facebook? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Well, uh, I, I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to call anybody out. But there's there's a particular person on Eagle Post who, uh, whenever uh, Coach Barry would, uh, you know, like you said earlier, lose a game, you know, it was his fault that that player made the diving catch in, in center field or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime he lost, he would put on there, it's time to fire Barry. We need to move on for Barry. 
But when he went on that 14, 15 game winning streak, you never saw him commenting. And so when they lost the first game of the regional, he come back on there and he's like, I told y'all, Barry's not going to do anything for us. We just need to get rid of him. And so somebody finally asked, and I can't remember who it was, was like, did he steal your girlfriend in college or something? Why do you hate this man so much? <laughs> but you're right. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, you know. It's true. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that kind of stuff goes on. But there's people out there at every school do that. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. that's what makes it bad with it. I'm assuming these high schoolers that we're recruiting and all that kind of stuff are, are seeing some of that stuff, you know, some of the idiots talking. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't do anything but hurt what we're trying to get done. Right. But, but that was what you asked earlier about the social media. I don't think that helped us much in the social media. I think mm-hmm. it probably hurt more than anything. But the most all the program around the country has turned it into a, just a, Fashion. you know, the, 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 the media people that report sports and all that kind of stuff, everything's got to be got to be sensationalized. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's, it's sensational to say for this guy to talk, you're talking about, I don't, I don't know that I've seen those, but, um, you know, it's sensational. So it causes people to, to listen and you start talking back and forth. So, you know, it just, it just, it, uh, most of the coaches I know don't. They just try not to read any of the stuff. You know, you sometimes you can't help it, but uh, right. You know, it it's it's hard to handle. Uh, and and all that kind of started when I was there. We started. We got into. Uh, I don't remember how it was, but I remember would read some of that stuff, and I said, "Yeah, dog, I didn't know I was that bad." <laughs> you know, uh, you know. No doubt. You know, right. He's not, he popped that bun up, but they talk like we don't ever work on it. You know, work on it all the time. And still pop it up. And still, that's right. going pretty hard out there. And that ball's running different ways. Mm-hmm. Hey, most of these guys have never put a jock on. Just true, you know? <laughs> it, I believe that to that, be true. That's very true. And uh, I'm kind of glad that uh, Coach Barry basically tells the guys, don't even look at Facebook, don't look at Eagle Post. You know, it, I mean, it's just going to tear people up. You know, it's it's only going to uh, dampen our spirits. And uh, at the same time, I'm glad we have passionate fans, but it's almost too too much. You know, they they just go a little too far on it. You know, well, it gives you some power. Uh, uh, you feel like you have power when you write stuff like that, like you know better and all that. It's easy to know better after it happened, you know, that that butt got popped up. Yeah, dog, you want to kick yourself for button, you know, and I got my got my home run. But you thought you needed a bunch of time, and I heard Buck Show Buck Showalter one time, who was with us in the Nashville when I was there. Buck made the statement: you you make a decision based on the information you have at the time, right, and go with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know that's the way you do it, and you don't have to. You don't have their luxury of wait till after it happens to decide. Yeah, we we won't do it or not. So whatever we do it, you know. So it, it's it's a it, it's you're right. It's damaging. It's damaging to the team, particularly those players are out there. 
nobody feels worse about an error right. than the guy then, just made the error. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, uh, you know, nobody feels worse. Even you, as bad as you are, as good as you are writing on Eagle Post, as good as you can tell you never made an error, <laughs> uh, you know, you you don't know how it feels, undoubtedly, you know, to make that error. So. Right. No doubt. I made plenty, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Plenty. We all did. Yeah. Um. So John Cockrell asks, what is your favorite memory or accomplishment from the years you've been involved with baseball? Shoot, I don't know. <laughs> That's a loaded well, question, isn't it? You know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I coach, I read in the paper where I was coached 47 years. I'm not sure. I kind of got, got lost in the count there on the years. But, uh, you know, I can't remember that. I mentioned that a while ago, uh, sweeping Florida State when they were, I think number one in the nation when they came in, and uh, but uh, you know I there's a lot of there's a lot of great memories, a lot of bad memories too. So I tell you what, it's a that bus ride home or that flight home. Mm-hmm. Don't think it's not a lot easier when you win the last game than it is <laughs> when you lose the last game. Uh, you know we up there this year at Coastal and get get our butts kicked on Friday and Saturday pretty good and oh, yeah. then turn around and kick that butt on Sunday. That made you feel a lot better. It made those guys feel a lot better going home, getting ready for next week. As a matter of fact, that started that streak. That streak, right. yeah. It did. It sure did. And, uh, so uh, getting, getting beat like that's not always – sometimes it turns to tide for you, you know, mm. when you're not playing good or whatever. Lights of fire. But, you know, baseball is, baseball is a game that – all year long, and we all talk about this with our players, we don't want you to get too high when everything's going real good, a 15-game winning streak, or too low when you lose three or four games in a row. You know, We don't want you to get that way. you got to learn to be right in the middle and just do your job, do what you're supposed to do, swing the bat, um, make the pitches and whatever you're doing, keep doing your job, and things will work out for the best. You know, it's and the game is just you you can't figure it out I, in 47 years I couldn't figure it out for sure but uh, uh, but you know you can't you can't make all the right moves all the time because there's so many moves you make in it and baseball is a complicated game that looks easy and, and football is an easy game that looks complicated so, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you know it's uh yeah, it's it's just one of those things. Baseball, you got to keep that level, and and these guys did it so well this year when they were playing. And uh, Sarge, for instance, was a great great example that he had an awful year for him. He had an awful year, and uh, you know, but 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 you couldn't tell it when he went to the field. He he got out there and, and did his job, and he played right. excellent defense and things he's supposed to do, and then. And uh, but it, overall, when you back off and look at it, he had had a bad year for Sarge. But you know, nobody feels worse about it than he did. So, mm-hmm. and I'm just using him as an example this year. You, you know, right. he got a little bit going here and there, but uh, he he was, but he made some mighty got some mighty big hits for us too in there during that time, like the Auburn game, start oh, yeah. that game. Mm-hmm. You know, so. 
you know, it, these guys learn to live with that. And it, 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 it you hear Scott and there were all the coaches talk about it. it makes a, makes a much better man out of these kids that are, are growing up and it makes good fathers and good, good husbands and, and the things that it takes to, to live life in, and, and baseball's like life, really. If you think about your life now, since athletics, if you, you've been out a while, you start seeing, you know, you got the ups and downs all the time. You know, there's always some down you got to work through and some high that you got to stay level and don't get too high on, you know, and that right. sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a baseball just follows the game of life and it teaches you to be a better man and, and as well as all sports, not just baseball, but, but the, this game particularly is tough on you because you, you, you know, a, a 300 hitter is considered a great hitter, a good hitter. Oh, yeah for everybody and in our no 400 hitter is a great hitter and and yet six times out of 10 he's not getting that hit you know so that's that's a failure six out of the 10 times so uh that's tough it's a tough way to to figure things out but that's that's part of it and that's the way it works mm-hmm. right Y'all making me be my physical, uh, psychological here or something. <laughs> they do a lot of philosophizing or something. Philosophizing. <laughs> yeah, philosophizing. Is that a word? I, hey, we'll I, make it a word. We'll put it on a shirt. <laughs> philosophizing. Philosoph. I love it. Okay. Hey, well, let me ask you this, Coach. Um, tell us about the time that you coached uh, John Bell to the U.S. Olympic trials. Do you remember that? Well, it's got on your list of accolades. You coached the first Golden Eagle, John Bell, to U.S. Olympic trials on your Hulk. Oh, John Bell, B-A-L-E. I thought you said Bell. I was trying to B-E-L-L. Okay. Yeah, John Bell. Was, well, yeah, he did. Uh, and shoot, he wasn't much coaching. He had a good arm. He was a good pitcher. Uh, and went to the big leagues and pitched for several years. So, uh I'm sitting here in my garage now, and I got the guys on the wall here that, that made it to the big leagues, and, and I'm sitting there looking at Bale's picture. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think about the Olympic trial, what you meant there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Playing, playing for the national gym. Yes, sir. In Millington. But, yeah, John Bale was a good one, and it, it was a big honor for us to get a guy in there. And, then, of course, this past year, we had two guys on there. Of course, one of them bailed out on us. <laughs> we don't say his name <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's uh, this new stuff that's going on. It would drive me crazy. I know that. But, uh, but just, just go where you want to go. Just right. leave or whatever. So. Right. But. On the other hand, it, it also uh, it, it's it's good. If we don't want to be here, we don't want you here either. So you know, right? Go about your way. No but doubt. But yeah, that was a big deal to get 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 John in there. That it, he did a, did a great job for it. He was a good good hard throwing left hander that went to the big leagues. So. Who was the other coach? I mean, who was the other player? The other one. The other player. You said you were looking at two pictures on your wall there. John yeah, Bell. <laughs> my wife just turned the light out. I can't see, <laughs> see the pictures anymore. Oh, uh, 
but you know, we had let's see, in the big leagues, we had, of course, Kevin Young was probably the well, he was one of the first million dollar guys. Oh, uh, wow. Played with the Pirates for 12 years. Kevin Young was in the big leagues. Uh, John Bell, uh, Tommy Davis made it up. Uh, let's see who else was it. She's a gone blank. Oh, I can't believe my wife just turned my pictures out. <laughs> I can't see. It says here you had 35 Southern Miss players sign pro ball contracts in your in your years at Southern Miss. Yeah, something like that, 39 that's or something. Yeah, uh, that's, it, good. It, it, that's about the right percentage. Cause, you know, uh, it's about you know, something like 4% of the guys that sign a pro contract ever make it to the big right. league. So. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with just luck of the draw, who picks you and who's ahead of you. And, uh, uh, you know, there's been some great ones through there that, that should have been in the big leagues but never made it because of who drafted them and, and the way they look at different athletes and so forth. So. I just found out my neighborhood barber was arrested for dealing drugs. I've been his customer for 10 years and I never knew he was a barber. <laughs> that was just a joke. But I did find myself in need of a beer trim before vacation, but I forgot to make an appointment. So I just drove on over to J.C. Cook Barbershop in Oak Grove, next to the corner market off Old 11. They take walk-ins only and love talking about Southern Miss sports and memories. So whether you need a haircut or a beard trim, go check them out. J.C. Cook Barbershop, open Tuesday through Friday, 8 to 5, and Saturday, 7 to 12. Tell them Chuck and Lane sent you. Well, listeners, you are in for a treat. The Lane Brady has finally graced us with his presence. <laughs> About um, time. So we're going to let Lane so explain extra, himself. Um, you know, not many people keep uh, Hill Denson waiting. I mean, he's got <laughs> he's got a ballpark named after Come him, but on, uh, you know, Lane's schedule is a little more important. So, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll let Lane explain where boy, he is, and boy, then boy. he can uh, he can ask a couple of questions to, uh, to Coach. So, so Lane, take it away. So baby. last summer we we mentioned that we had this Fourth of July get together for our street, and that happened to be tonight, and it ran me a little late. Uh, but I'm here. We have fun. Shout off some fireworks. I certainly understand that, mate. <laughs> I know, right? But uh, but yeah. So we uh, we're good though. We had a good time tonight. Good little get together, and I'm excited to be here with uh, the legend himself, Mr. Hill Denson. and Coach Denson. Oh, yo, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. I'm excited. So, uh, Coach, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here and go to a friend of the show, Billy Carr. He sent in some questions. Um, he said he wanted to know uh, about future expansion of the Pete. He said he has seen uh, so much of his vision come true. What would be some next steps? So I think Billy's just kind of asking, like, um, you know, you've seen a lot of your vision that you have for the Pete come true. What would be some next steps that you would like to see at the Pete? Well, you know, we had some we had some plans when we retired uh, that we were planning on doing some things there. And but the big thing is we, you know, had more seating. Uh, and, and I understand Jeremy. I've talked to Jeremy several times, and, and he's made it from on several podcasts and explained. You know, a lot of things are going on. We got different architects working on different things, trying to figure out how to how to do it in a small amount. 
amount of space there. Uh, one of the funny things about when we built the stadium is we had to, we're, if you notice our left field side there doesn't have the press box all around and, and the boxes and so forth. And the reason is we're, we had to get air rights to build that stadium because up, up at 23 feet, I believe it was, above the pavement back there, those apartments behind us, 23 feet up in the air, the four feet of our stadium stuck out into their airspace. And uh, we, we lost a month or two building the stadium while we got air rights, the first in Mississippi that were ever granted. Uh, we got the air rights to go over their their <laughs> property, like in New York City or somewhere, but it wasn't it wasn't common in Mississippi at all. In fact, it never been done. And so we, you know, we we're landlocked on that side unless we can eventually get that property or whatever. But uh, you know, to to build to expand the stadium is is hard. What they're trying to do now is is add some more seating and. You know, one of the things we had in mind, it was supposed to happen um, when Corky and, and them, I was gone during that time, but they, they added the thousand seats over there uh, behind left field, uh, actually both sides a little bit. The black seats that are in there now were added. Uh, we we moved a thousand seats that we had in the bleachers there. We were, my idea was to have them over the left field wall put those bleachers over the left field wall and make a student section out there, put <laughs> some border johns or build some restrooms or whatever back there and, you know, make that a student section so the students could go and have fun. And it wouldn't all be students, but basically that'd be where the students would be over the left field wall. And we, we're landlocked back there too. We don't have a, a few feet back there, but it could be done. And, and I would still like to see that done. We had some uh, sky boxes drawn that we were talking about putting uh, decks uh, behind the outfield wall and uh, had what we call sky decks above the center field wall uh, to rent or to sell to people uh, each year. And then we thought if that went over well, we were going to put them behind each tent sign, which is 20 feet long, a deck over the, behind it, and it would go down four feet, you know, and there'd be a deck there that they could have parties on. It'd be part of kind of an extension of the roof mm -hmm. would be with deck decking it. And the idea, if, if we ever got that far with it, we were going to uh, offer the people that defense sign on the front of the sign, uh, whoever that was, it'd be the, the bank or whoever, give them the first shot at the deck if they wanted to rent the deck for the year. And, okay. uh, and if it, it, it was, we'd sell it to the public or to, you know, whoever. So, but we never got that far with it. And, and but some of those ideas are there. Uh, of course, it could possibly be, I, I don't even want to talk about what I, I've seen a couple of drawings, but, uh, you know, it can be done. Things can happen. So, and, and will happen. I'm pretty sure with Jeremy McLean there, mm -hmm. the way he operates, right. things done. And uh, I don't know if you guys are doing or feeling it, but uh, basically uh, things are, are starting to get back with uh, Joe Paul coming in as our president. He's a Southern Miss guy that knows the uh, the uh, culture mm -hmm. that we've been talking about earlier, and uh, in 
some energy about him and, and uh, out there. But I don't know if you guys are feeling it, but it's, we're headed back where we used to be. We can feel it. And uh, and then football, basketball, baseball, all of it uh, is, 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 you know, we had a big year this year, really. Uh, and uh, I think Will Hall and Jay Ladner are, are mm-hmm. right guys. They, they, they are the they are the type of people that fit into our culture and are, are part of our culture. And uh, they're going to do the same thing. And it's coming back to where we were. We used to be pretty pretty stout uh, in all three sports. And in 1990, we were one of four schools in the nation that had a football team and a bowl basketball team and a uh, what is it, regional for playoffs, whatever it was, mm-hmm. NCAA. And then and the baseball team in a, a regional tournament in that 1990. But you look back on those teams, and uh, you know the football team had one superstar on it. The basketball team did, and the baseball team did. And that one superstar added to a good ball club, make it really good. Uh, Brett Favre was on the football team. Uh, uh, Clarence Weatherspoon was on the basketball team. And Kevin Young was on the baseball team. Mm-hmm. And those those three guys added to an already pretty good ball club makes it a big, big difference. So, I was about to say, those are know, three pretty big names right there at Southern Mill. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and we got, you know, that's that we're headed back there now. I'm feeling it. At least I feel like we're Oh, on, absolutely. You know? And we got the move in the South uh, Sunbelt Conference is uh, – uh, it's good for us, I think, and it's it's going to be, if not the, it may be the sixth best conference now already. But uh, we, if we're not, we're seven. Right. Uh, Americans supposed to be rated higher than us, but I think with some of the moves they just made, we're kind of dumb, really. <laughs> Agreed. And and uh, and Sun Belt made the better moves. Uh. But you know all this TV market stuff is is overblown, but that's what people are paying for in ESPNs, and people are paying money for. So, you know, uh, take for instance New Orleans. New Orleans has we we have more alums in New Orleans than Tulane does. But, but <laughs> right. you know, it, you know that that. And I think our alums would be watching us on TV more than the Tulane alums would that are there. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know. Right. You know, so, but I, I, I don't have any argument with ESPN. I don't have any right to argue with them, but I, I think they make some dumb decisions. <laughs> they, so, do. they do. They do. <laughs> so, <laughs> Coach, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm understanding you to say that you would be okay if we were to take down that tradition of excellence sign. Chuck will not let this die, Coach. We had an argument on air one time about the tradition of excellence sign. He won't let it die. Go ahead, Coach. Well, yeah, that's where I would have the left Thank field. You. I would have a, a thousand seats at least there. Uh, you know, uh, it's where I would put them in. Amen. You know, it's a ditch right there. It's about 10 feet for a vehicle to go by, and then it, it washes a wash down into that little creek. And then the bottom of the creek is our landline, so we don't have much land there. But mm-hmm. you'd have to elevate; you'd have to be on pilings. But people do that in stadiums all the all time. The time. That's why I was about third, to ask the, you. Second and third rows of all the stadiums are on pilings, sitting up there. 
you know. Yeah. I was about to ask you, how big of an issue do you think the trace back there would be? Because I, I love the idea of expanding past the outfield walls all the way around. But how big of an issue well, do you think the trace is? Well, the trace isn't our property, so that wouldn't uh, – but that was the railroad's property, and the bottom of the ditch is basically is where our line is back there. And uh, But, I mean, you know, you just go straighter up. <laughs> If you ever been in the east side of our football stadium, yeah. upper deck, <laughs> you got a point. You can go up, you can slant up, but it's kind of scary walking from the top down to the bottom of the upper deck on the east side of the stadium, much more so than the west side football. Feel like but, you're walking uh, it, down a ladder on the up, side of the house. It's a great seat. When you build that, it's a great seat to watch things from, you know, so it can be done. There's no question about it. Right. You know, it's going to be expensive. It's going to be up on piling. It's expensive, and you got to have all the uh, uh, walkways for, for uh, you know, handicap and so, et cetera. So all that makes it expensive, but but it, it would work, yeah. I vote we call but the that, deck that the dinger deck. Or bar- oh, Barry would, Island. Yeah. <laughs> be a lot of gloves out there in the yeah. left field. <laughs> be just like Wrigley Field. It'd be fun. It would be. Well, Coach Billy Carr also said he loves locker room stories and all that stuff. He loved. We had a story about how superstitious Scott Berry was. Uh, Do you have Do you have any uh, fun locker room stories you'd like to share with us? Oh, most of mine I can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I I I I didn't ever have any superstition. I I I wouldn't. uh, now, I wouldn't step on the foul line going out there. You know, you step over it. I, I mean, that's probably not, a, you know, I don't call that a superstition. But And I, and I would, if I found a penny during the day uh, with the tails up, I'd get it, put it in my pocket during the game day or whatever. Right. But I wasn't superstitious. I got you. you know? <laughs> well, I got a few questions. Or what was that, Coach? I was going to say I found a penny this year when we were playing the regional over at Auburn. I found a penny in the street with tails up, and I carried it to the whole tournament. There you go. Uh, but it wasn't superstition now. It was just. <laughs> it's just good luck. That's, that's right. Just, that's a rule. Yeah, you just might as well keep that penny there if, if, if you win so forth. Or, you, you know, if you wore gold today and you won, you might wear gold tomorrow. <laughs> Or wear That's gold the whole, sense, the whole tournament. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't superstitious, no. I, I, I got you. Well, uh, Coach, we got a few questions from John Cockrell here. Uh, he said, Coach, we succeed or fail in large part because of the people behind the scenes. Aside from assistant coaches, who would you say has contributed most to your success in coaching? And this could be anywhere you've coached, no matter where you've coached. Well, it, it starts at the top. I mean, you know, it, it starts at the top. If your administration wants a good athletic program, you have it. If they're not very interested in athletics, it, it's detrimental to the program. Um, you know, that's that's true. But it also, uh, you know, talking about uh, the team itself, you know, you got, of course, managers are always – 
uh, always high in my sight, but guys that we call managers on the team that, you know, handle equipment and stuff for us and all that equipment managers and, and, uh, your trainers and athletic trainers that handle all that stuff. And, uh, I accused him one time with telling him we didn't have any injuries till we had trainers, but, uh, <laughs> just went on plays. So. but, but, you know, those guys are all a tremendous part of it. And, and just everybody that, you know, I watch the stadium this year, you know, I watch the people that come out there at 10 in the morning to direct traffic and, and, uh, you know, take up tickets and do the things they do, walk around and be security and, and, you know, help get the gates and all that sell souvenirs and all that. That's all a lot of work and sitting around all day long. That, that last ball game we played starting at nine o'clock. And that was, a that was one of the proudest moments I've had was that night at, at the uh, start of that game at nine Oh six. At night, I just knew our crowd had gone home and gone to bed and wouldn't be there. <laughs> and but it, the, every one of them came. I said, I don't think anybody stayed home. <laughs> In fact, I'm not sure we didn't have more then than we had the day before. <laughs> I but, think uh, you're right. You know, I was proud of that. I thought that was really good of our fans, and that really showed the truth. Uh, I like what Joe Paul is saying now. The the grid, I like his his the signs that I'm seeing around the state now. Just say Southern Miss grit, and uh, you know I, that's a buzzword that's being added that I really like. And uh, you know, just the attitude of everything is from the top down is is working to make everything work better. And and I think we got the right people in the right spots right now. Absolutely, and. Uh, I would agree with that. I think a lot of people agree with that. Um, John also asked, what was the biggest difference between coaching at USM and Bellhaven? Uh, the caliber of the athletes would be the biggest difference. But, I mean, baseball game is the same and, uh, at Callaway High School or at, at, at USM or Bellhaven or wherever, Chamberlain Hunt. You know, the, the game's the same and you teach the same fundamentals, but, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, the biggest difference would be, you know, uh, obviously in division one, you're going to have better athletes and you're going to have, and so it, that was a little bit of a transition to, uh, you know, when you're out recruiting to, to adjust to the athletes that you're going to be getting, but, uh, but that it's still the same out there work just as hard and just as hard as this other Miss guys did. And, and uh, so it was, it, it was, you know, that would be the big answer to that question. Was it a unique challenge for you to have to kind of realize like, okay, this kid's going to vision one, probably don't need to mess with that one. This kid kind of falls in our, was it kind of a challenge for you to kind of reel in your expectation of what caliber athlete you need to be heading after when you got to Bellhaven? Yeah, but that's not a – it doesn't take long to figure that out. You know, it, it's not that big a deal to transition into it or vice versa the other way. So, uh, you know, you get the, the better players, so, you know. But everybody else getting the better players too. So it's <laughs> the same thing. You're, you're playing with the same competition, so. Everybody's fishing from the same pond, so – 
That's right. All right. Uh, John, I have one more question for you, too. He asked, what was your most memorable ejection? And I'm actually genuinely curious about this one. Do you remember your what, – what ejection stands out the most to you in your career? Uh, I, I don't know. I had, I had a few of them, so I don't remember which one. All of them I was ejected, which made me dejected. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know, I shoot. I don't know. I I got. I only got thrown out at Mississippi State one time, and Pope got thrown out at Harrisburg every week, every year on the game. He got thrown out at least once. <laughs> right. And so I've always harassed him about that. And I only got it one time up there, and he was arguing and made the umpire mad. And I walked by and said something, and he threw me out. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He set you up. He loaded the trap for you. He set you up. Oh, yeah. All right. And then Kevin Harrison had a question for you, Coach. He said, who was your favorite player and why? This does not have to be just at USM. So who was your favorite player you coached and why? Man, uh, I have so many. There's not one answer to that at all. I mean, we had so many favorite players, I guess you'd say favorite players, but uh, you know, every player we had was a favorite, really, uh, over the years, almost. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I can't pinpoint one person there, so you know, that's too hard to do. Right. Y'all trying to make me philosophize some more. <laughs> <laughs> it's like making you pick your favorite kid. It's hard to yeah. <laughs> can't do that. So, and uh, coach, actually, our sponsor of the show tonight was uh, Chris Cook, and he sent a bunch of good things about you there. And something he said was, uh, when he was about seven or so, his grandmother was working in the ticket office at Southern Miss, and he said he went to all the games with her. And uh, he said Coach Denson used to let me sit in the dugout with the team, and I go to the bullpen with the guys too. He said that was. Obviously, a different time back then with liability concerns and all, but uh, he talked about John Cox being in a center block press box behind the wall or behind the home plate and all that stuff. And he just said he really appreciated all you had done for the program. So he said you were a big reason behind his Southern Miss fandom. So I don't know if you remember Chris Cook, but uh, yeah, I do. He talked. I appreciate him saying that. Uh, by the way, uh, you talk about that press box and all that. Uh, when you go into, I say Scott now, Oz's office, if you go in from the side entrance there where the ticket office is, if you go in that in the clubhouse there, right on the wall, there's a picture of the bill taken from an airplane in 1984, about three weeks after I got here got there as a job. So it was probably January the 20th or something. And we were getting ready to play the end of January. So, but there's a picture of it and it shows how it was built then, you know, with all. So any of you ever get to go in there and inside that door or even stand at the door and cup your hands where the glare doesn't get you and you can see the picture. So right there in the little vestibule as you walk in. Oh, I'd like but, to see uh, that. That'd be that's but interesting. But that little press, talking about that little press box, when you walk under the stadium going to your seats now, if you look down in there on the concrete, you can see the little square 
that the foundation for the, it was a two story press box. It was must have been about, I'm going to say 20 feet long and, you know, 12, 15 feet wide. And that was it, the press box. But I thought you were going to say the time when we were building the stadium and we were going to, we played LSU. They, we had it set up that LSU was going to open the stadium, but we didn't get the stadium finished. We got behind. And <laughs> we had to close it off and played the game with LSU there uh, with John Cox sitting at a table down and put one of the picture screens in front of him. He was doing it. You know, we played, played really the whole season with him doing that there on the field. In fact, Scott Berry remembers when he, he was playing with Southwest Missouri at the time, which is now Missouri State. When they came, he remembered meeting cops down the hell on the field, sitting behind that screen doing a radio broadcast <laughs> uh, against the black wall back there behind the, uh, you know, behind the hitters over more toward the home dugout. You know, but, do you uh, ever, uh, you know, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry, coach. No, I, I don't, I was just rambling. Hey guys, it's Lane here. Just wanted to take a break here in the show to spotlight our sponsor for this episode, J.C. Cook's Barbershop. I've been getting my hair cut at his shop for a year now, and my favorite part of going in there is getting to chat it up with Chris and his crew about USM Sports. Remember, everyday eagles need to support other everyday eagles, so stop by J.C. Cook's Barbershop located in Oak Grove Shopping Center next to Corner Market, or call him at 601-450-0206. Walk-ins are accepted. Tell them Chuck and Lane sent you. Now let's get back to the show. Do you ever go back to like game, whenever you come to games at the Pete and stuff, do you ever just stop and look around and think about how far it's come since you were there? Like, do you get a chance to kind of reminisce on that and think about that some now? Sure. By a lot with uh, with Scott and, and the guys, uh, all the coaches. Uh, me and Brewer was with me at Bell Haven. Uh, you know, I, I sit with those guys. We go up there a lot of times after practice and so forth. And sit up in the area in front of the boxes and just look. You know, and as a matter of fact, after the last game uh, when we got beat, Tennessee beat us. Said it was over. We should we stayed out there till two o'clock that morning at two thirty. Up on, you know, just Scott and me and a couple of guys, friends, are there. Uh, just not doing much talking, just looking and thinking about it. So, but it, you know, it's a great year. Uh, great things happened this year, and, and uh, we didn't get where we wanted to get, but that's part of it. So, right. Uh, well, Coach, I, I yep. just that's all the questions I had on my end that I was asking from listeners. And, uh, man, I just want to say it's been a treat getting to talk to you a little bit about it. You were a fundamental visionary in a place that means a ton to me and my family and to, to the school we love. So we really appreciate you and all you've done. I appreciate you guys being fans and being part of it. So uh, that's all part of it. We were out there this year at the, uh, at the roofs this time. We, we were talking there. One of the last games, some of us were talking. This was the third generation.
Yeah. 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 Uh, But that's part of it. And they, uh, kids being a big part of the success that has been building over the years, but it's third generation. Uh, I was sitting there talking to a family that, that they, you know, the, the original one was in the roof playing down there and then there's his daughter and then now her son was down there playing and so forth. So it was, wow. you know, that's happened over the last many years. So That's you know, awesome. It's, and there's a lot of those spots like that out there that's got several generations. So okay. it'll continue on. I, it will. It will. It's, it's a legacy for sure. If they do that, I think they're being real careful not to mess up the roof because it's a, it's the thing or a thing that it, it makes it special out there. Other places. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach, uh, Colin Cargill, I, don't, I think you know him a little bit, Absolutely. said that you were probably one of the best storytellers that he's ever heard. So do you have a story to end the show on? No, I don't know where Colin gets that stuff. I don't have any stories. That's just particularly one you won't talk about. I don't know. I just can't think of one off the top of my head. Colin just made that up. Colin would never do that. Not Colin. No, he's a good old boy. I like Colin. He's at Mississippi College now as a pitching coach. Yeah, doing a good job out there. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Well, Coach, we're going to let you uh, go back in and spend some time with your wife. Uh, let us know if we can do anything for you. We're praying for Miss Judy and uh, hopefully speedy recovery, and she'll be back to bossing you around pretty soon. Well, maybe I would tell one story for you. Okay. All right. Let me hear it. The, uh, that series I was talking about where we swept Florida State on, on Sunday afternoon, we won the game, and, you know, we had – Heads up there with brooms and all that kind of stuff, and everybody's excited after the game. And Coach Mack, Bill McClellan was our athletic director at the time, and called him Coach Mack. Coach Mack had been gone all week to Destin. The ADs being, I'm sure they did a lot of heavy meeting down at Destin. They had to go to Destin to meet. So. But uh, they, they were down there all week. And he wasn't that round, and we, we just swept them. Now, the game's just over. Now, let me back up a little bit. When we put in the roofs and all, the, it was designed. So his his rules were that you had to uh, be a member of the Eagle Club to join, and you had to pay your money, and then you'd be a member of the Eagle Club, and you must buy four-season tickets, and you must drive a pickup truck in. And your party supplies stay in the pickup, and you sit in the pickup. You can't be out on the ground. you got to be in the truck. All right, that was the rules. That was the original rules. Well, we all happy, and the coaches are hugging, and the players are hugging, and all that kind of stuff. And out of the corner of my eye, I see Bill walking across the field. He's coming across the field. And he wasn't one to ever give you any accolades or anything, so. I'm thinking, hmm, look at here. Coach Max going to come congratulate us. And he comes walking up to me and got his finger in my face and he said, Hill, 
I can't use exact words he said, but there's a car up there in that roof, and you can't have that here. Y'all, don't you get that straight? Like I could have done something about it. Here Stop celebrating and go never, get the car. Never mentioned that we swept number one team in the nation, so that wasn't even brought up. But uh, that was one of the stories, I guess. Uh, so, Col- right, Colin, guys, I enjoyed it too. We appreciate I, I you, Coach, it. for sure. Um, okay. Th- Thanks, Lane, for finally showing up. Thanks, Pate, for filling in the uh, the gaps. We appreciate you. Um, and until next time, Southern Miss to the, to top. the top. Thank you for checking out the Everyday Eagles podcast, the podcast for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Be sure to subscribe and follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And don't forget to leave us a rating and share this podcast with a fellow Golden Eagle. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Everyday Eagles Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Everyday underscore Eagles. To learn more about the podcast or to inquire about being a guest on the show, visit our website at edepodcast.com. Thanks again for joining us today. We will catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles podcast. And as always, Southern Miss to the top.